0: So well, that being said, Lord, um, i come before you and I um, just thank you for your goodness, Lord. Um, I thank you that you've placed the word on uh, my heart, Lord. More than that, Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing in my life over the past couple of weeks. So just, uh, I just celebrate your grace in my life. And I uh, thank you that you've given me the opportunity to share this morning out of that place. Um, Lord, I confess that there's been times where I've, had, I've come to preach and you've always given me something to say, Lord but I thank you Lord God that um, the stuff you have me to share this morning is fresh and is real in my life Lord and um, I pray that it will become fresh and real in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit let confess my utter dependency on you Lord um, and our utter dependency on you and your word what we get to do is awesome Lord we get to sit and listen to your heart for us and um, I pray Holy Spirit that that would come across we have ears to hear and as Terry just spoke there the, the, the courage of obedience to, to live it out Lord God um, but we commit this time to you it's yours, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I want, to, I want to speak this morning um, and share some thoughts on, uh, on righteousness, okay? Which is a bit, of a bit of a theological term. It might cause you to kind of disconnect a bit. It might sound a bit dry or a bit, you know, like a college term or something like that. But, but it's a really important thing and like it matters to us all. I think at some level, um, we all just want things to be right, yeah? Like at whatever stage. You just want things to be right in your life. Like if You're not at peace internally. You, want, you just want that stuff to be in order. You want things to be right. Many of us probably struggle with even um, with not feeling good enough. At times, we look at our lives or we look at things people have said or we look at maybe where we're at at this point in our lives and we thought we'd be at a different point or have achieved more or been more successful or things would look different in relationships or, or whatever. And so we can live, I think, and um, no, I think, I know I can right? So, but maybe you can. We can live with this kind of background noise of just not feeling good enough, just not feeling like stuff is is right yet. And then we can struggle to fill that void in all sorts of in all sorts of ways. We just there's there's this there's this inner longing in us, this need for things to be to be right. Maybe it plays out in your life in that you're the person who has to be right, right? So you're the one who has to understand everything, the one who has to do everything right. Um, maybe it plays out in your life and you recognise where that's, where that's missing. I know, when I know things aren't right between me and God, you know, when sin creeps in that I know is sin, I can be very good at kind of denial or repressing of those things and thinking it's not really as serious as it is, you know what I mean? But there's always some nagging kind of, this just isn't, this just isn't right, you know what I mean? And, and you always feel, um, I don't know what you ever feel, you just feel like off balance in life or like incomplete in some way. Or relationships, so we're made for a relationship with God, so when that's, when that's broken, we feel off-kilter in that way. Or relationships with one another, you know, like the person who, like, you just know things have gone unsaid, like or, like, there's been some conflict that hasn't been resolved, or there wasn't even any conflict, and you've just drifted apart from people, and you still just feel something isn't, isn't right. We feel off-kilter when our relationships aren't right. And I think all of that is kind of summed up in some of this word righteousness, the state of being, Right, the state of being uh, complete, the state of, of being good enough is, is what it means to be to be righteous. And that's what um that's what I wanna to focus on this morning. Um what that even looks like to be to be righteous, how we can be at at its best, right? At its best in my life, um I have this desire to be righteous, right? Like I want to be I wanna be righteous before God, right, as a Christian. At its best, I'm like, right, Lord, I really want to live the kind of life that I see in the Word, the kind of life that I know is right, you know, like a moral life, an upright life. Like, and at its best, that flows from love of God. It flows from spending time with God. It flows from intimacy with God. It flows from, like, revelation of who He is, and just the desire to be like Him that's, like, vital and alive and life-giving and good, right? And so there's moments in my life where I operate in that way. And then, at its worst there's still this desire to be righteous but it flows from a whole different heart it flows from the need to be seen as right by other people it flows from the need to like feel right in myself through the things that i i do or don't do and and very often i take like the source of my righteousness or where it flows from like takes my eyes off it's not it's not out of the place of wonder and awe and obedience instead it's out of the place of need for acceptance or or seen as right by other people, um, and so I can jump into all sorts of ways of going about about that that feeling, going about achieving it, and I know it's weird, right, There's, does anyone else have this weird dichotomy that goes on in their lives where you know the right things to do, right, but you find yourself doing the wrong things, you know, like you'll have heard it preached, probably every time anyone has ever preached that our strength is in God, you'll have heard it preached that, that only righteousness is found in Jesus Christ, yet I can leave this space. And then flow into all sorts of ways of trying to work out a name for myself. Work out ways to feel better about myself. Work out ways to feel better about relationships. When I see something that's out of kilter, can I be honest and say that? My default isn't to fall to my knees and turn to God. My default is to like, try harder, Rob. Do this. Put this into place. Get up earlier. Work harder. Work later. You know, like whatever. Get a strategy going. Get out your notebook. Make a to-do list. Like all of this stuff that just is relentless. But, um, but the result of it, guys, is just um, it's never enough like when is enough ever enough when are you ever good enough the goalposts keep keep moving you know what i mean the finishing line keeps like you think you're there and then all of a sudden it's 100 meters ahead you know like a false horizon you're climbing a mountain you think you're there you can see the top of the hill you get there and now there's another there's another one to come it seems like an endless kind of pattern of that and just over the last month or so um we like, the lord has really brought about what i hope is some lasting change right we'll see whether it's lasting change or not, right? We'll see whether I go through the same cycle again. But I believe the beginnings of, of some lasting change and what it looks like to um, escape that cycle, you know, to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. to have new patterns of thinking, new ways of being that, um, that make sure that I'm constantly grounded in, in the goodness of God and that my life can be lived as a reflection, a joyous celebration of who Jesus is rather than living for the approval of other people, or of myself, or whatever expectations I put on me, other people put on me. It's just a losing game, and um, and repeatedly my experience has been that when I fall into that space of like self-righteousness, trying to work it out, that it doesn't get me closer to God. Like it distances me from God. I fail again, and I distance. I fail again. And I distance. I fail again, and uh, and that needs to be broken, right? Because that can't be the life that God has called us to. <laughs> That can't be. Kind of righteousness that jesus has called us to like like jesus doesn't need to die on the cross for that kind of for that kind of righteousness all he needs to do is send you a list and say now obey the list yeah there doesn't there doesn't need to be a sacrifice there doesn't need to be the life death and resurrection of jesus all there needs to be is a list of things to obey but there is the life death and resurrection of jesus and what i want to share with you this morning is just some of those um lessons from that that struggle that i've been going through um Likely a struggle that I would reckon most of us go through based on how much scripture actually talks about it, repeatedly brings it up probably because like this is stuff you are going to face. Um, And I want to share um, today from like the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we've been in the Bible Project, so pull out what scripture has to say about it in those spaces, right? So Jesus talks a lot about righteousness, this idea of being right with God and he speaks in some surprising ways. The opening, you know the opening sermon about blessed are the poorest, for there is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are those who are persecuted, you know all that. Inside those are the attitudes, there's one in there about righteousness, and it says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, right? Hold that just in your mind, right? It's right to hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? To want to be right. Um, But the second part of it there second line four they will be filled right that points to some sort of hope right it doesn't say blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they'll be able to figure it out and achieve it yeah it points to like so how do you get filled you're filled from something that's that's separate from from you there's something that's outside of you that needs to to come into you right so at the beginning of the sermon jesus pointed to it's blessed it's good to want to be righteous but like you're going to need to be filled with righteousness, right? And that's a hopeful thing for those of us who have found, like, eventually the hopelessness of trying to fill ourselves with righteousness, right? And so it sounds hopeful, and then it takes, the Sermon on the Mount takes what seems like a hopeless turn. In verse um, 20, he goes and he speaks about righteousness again. He's talking about he's come to fulfill the law. And then he says this, um, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Right now, remember we used to read in the Bible 2,000 years apart from it, and we're looking at the Pharisees and the teachers and thinking, are oh, they the people who didn't get God? But if you were a Jew 2,000 years ago and somebody asked you, who are the most righteous people who you know, who you can point to in society? They would say, the Pharisees and the teachers and the law. They're the ones who like, spent their life studying the scripture, try to obey everything down to the letter of it. Like, like they're living the righteous life by the standard. And Jesus comes along and he goes... Right, it's blessed you want to be righteous where you should be filled. But you're going to need to be more righteous than the most righteous people who are walking around right now. The best examples that you can find. And then he enters into this pattern for the rest of the chapter, right? Where he just he spells it out in ways that are, are really, really challenging, right? He says, he says this, right? You've heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And I don't even murders when be subject to judges, right? One of the But then he goes, I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. So it's not just whether you've acted on your actions, it's whether you wanted to act on your actions that's the standard for how you're going to be judged. And he continues on in that pattern, right? In ways that that can almost seem, seem hopeless, right? If you're just reading this like at face value, he goes, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And then he goes and he hits on divorce. And then he goes and he hits on honesty and integrity. And then he goes on and he hits on justice and revenge. And each time he sets a higher standard than people were used to already. A higher standard than the law even demands. He's like, no, you need to be better than this. You need to be better than the Pharisees. You need to be better than the teachers. You need to not just be able to resist acting on your impulses, but somehow your impulses have to to change. It's not enough to not commit murder it's 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 like you you have to not be angry even at that point. And that's that's I mean like impossible, yeah? He ends with like Malcolm it at the next one, he ends with it, right? As if they just like draw points on the end of it, he's like, Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. So here's the standard. You don't feel good enough, Jesus comes along, you're not good enough. <laughs> be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. Or if you're the kind of person that's sitting here and thought you were good enough, he gives this, this whole saying. of you think, you think this is what it means to be righteous? No, I'm telling you, there's a, deeper, there's a deeper level to it. You need to be perfect. I've heard people try and explain that away, I'm oh, not talking about that, it's hyperbole, it's whatever. No, that's the, that's the standard. If you want to stand before God with your record today, that's the standard that you need to, to hit, is perfection. You need to be perfect as your heavenly father was perfect. He wasn't lying, he wasn't exaggerating. So the question is then, is who can stand, yeah? Is there anyone here who can stand? Is there anyone in the world who could stand? And that can seem kind of hopeless, except we remember what he said at the beginning of the sermon, whoever hungers the curse for righteousness will be, will be filled, filled. And remember that, that hint that it's possible that this righteousness he's talking about, isn't something that, that, I, can, that I just have to muster up and the standard I have to hit? Or well, maybe it's something I can be filled with from the outside. We ask the question, who could, who, who could stand? And we remember and we know and we just celebrate in communion that there was only one who could stand. There was only one who fulfilled the law. Not just in like, obeying it to the letter, but obeying the heart of it. Whose motives were pure. Who was born not into sin, but who was born from, from above and lived the, the perfect life, and that's Jesus. And then the audacity of what the Gospel tells us is that he takes our record, and the one, the only one who could stand, instead of standing, is crushed under God's punishment for, for our sins. That he takes our record, and that in return we get we get his record. We get the record of the one who never sinned. We get the one, the record of the one who was perfect, as his heavenly father is perfect. And we do that by faith and through grace. And that's the core of what we believe. Yeah, that's the core of of the gospel, that this is what's happened. An exchange has happened. There's the Corinthians verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness, that word in there again. We become the righteousness of God because Jesus became sin for us. This exchange happens. And it happens simply through just putting our faith in Jesus. And it's an act of grace. Grace meaning the favor that we didn't deserve, the thing that we didn't earn how different is that guys from the ways that we go about trying to chase down righteousness there's something in us that just craves a righteousness that we did deserve we crave a righteousness that we did earn like that we go after recognition we go after trying to achieve so that we can stand on our own two feet and say well i achieved this but if we really knew what the standard was of perfection we would quickly fall to our knees and realize oh, i am no, no chance i am no chance i'm completely completely dependent on the grace of god Completely dependent on Jesus doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus gives us his righteousness. The theological term there is called call it justification. It means this God's righteous act of removing the condemnation, guilt, and penalty of sin by grace, while at the same time declaring the unrighteous to be righteous through faith in Christ's atonement and and sacrifice. That's the truth of what's that. God has declared you righteous because of what Jesus has done. And so we have this truth, right? That, that foundation, you can intellectually say, okay, I agree, I agree with that right now, Rob. I believe that. My faith is in Jesus. I believe I go to heaven when I die. I believe when I stand before him, I stand on his, stand on his record, right? But there's something that sneaks into us as Christians where we, I don't know why we do it. Well, I do know why we do it. It's sin, but I don't fully understand how it operates in us, right? But so we can intellectually believe that, right? If we all died right now, we stand before God and our faith is in Jesus, yeah? Yet, when we walk out our lives, and it seems like in the everyday, day-to-day stuff, we just fall into performance, we fall into struggle, we fall into trying hard, not feeling good enough, just those patterns and cycles. And it's like we've made them two different things. It's like we've made what happens after we die a matter of faith received by grace, but what happens in this life, we've made a matter of our own self-effort and our own trying and our own doing the, the right thing. And it just leads to a life that always feels not good enough. It leads to a life off kilter. You might think, right, because it can be hard to it can be hard to uh, it can be hard to work this out in our lives, or for the penny to drop. You might think, right, well, God considers me righteous, but elephant in the room, yeah, I know who I am. I know. I know what went through my mind this morning. I know, I know the things that still bug me. I know you asked me, the people who are still struggling to forgive, those who I'm still bitter against, those who I still hold resentment against, those things sins that I still struggle with, that I feel I might still struggle with tomorrow, those ways that I battle in my head and in my heart, those things I find myself doing that, that no one else might know because I'm good at putting on a pretense around and pretending to be holy, but that I know. And it's like, it's okay in some way that God considers me righteous, but the reality probably is that I, that I am not and we don't seem to take that, that gift of grace and apply it to the, the everyday walking out of life. Trust you for my eternity, but for right now, maybe I'm just meant to get by in this struggle until I go to heaven. There's more, there's more. There's more we were made for, guys. We we're made for just hanging on until, I, like Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. The reality of what Jesus has done by his grace can be real in your life. Today, there's victory. There's hope, we live in that tension. We need to remind ourselves or be reminded or remind one another of who it is that Jesus is so that we can find victory over those, those destructive things. Here's what happens, that when Jesus comes to live in us, he enables us to change from the inside out at the level of our desires. He's just said that the problem the problem isn't necessarily the things you do. The problem is the level of your desires. And Jesus promises to come in and change us. He'll give you a new heart. To change us at the level of our desires. And you might be even like, well Rob, that's alright to say that. But hey, well then why do I still have these desires? I think that the majority of the time is because we try, we're fooled. It's like we deny ourselves the grace of God. Somehow we're fooled by the enemy. We're fooled by sin. we fooled by the world around us. Whatever it's shown to say. No, you need to work that out. You need to, you need to be better. You need to, to do better. And it's powerless. We're, 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 like, you, humans in their, own, in their own strength are, are powerless against, against sin. But there's something that stops us from just falling to our knees and saying, Lord, I need your grace. Even when I go to pray, like, sometimes I'm, I'm like, I'm going to do this, Lord, will you bless it? And I don't know, just just has like, a lack of humility sometimes where, in recent times, maybe just through getting burnt out and through being tired and the Lord bring me to the end of this hell, I found myself just on my face saying, like, I just need you. I just, I can't, I can't do it. I've tried, i tried to do it. i tried to be victorious. i tried to be successful. I've tried to love people. I've tried to do whatever, and I'm just worn out. I was not working. There's no fruit, and I'm just on a cycle, you know what I mean? I'm just, like, stuck in a loop. Oh, I think God brings us to that place so that, and it sounds so cliched, right? It sounds so obvious. But so that we rely on his grace. What is grace? Undeserved Favor. Rob, would you trust me enough to believe that I would want to do in you what you can't do in yourself? Would you come close enough to me to let me do in you and through you what you can't do in yourself? But there's like this voice of independence pulling me the other way. The voice of Rob's own righteousness. The need for others' approval. The need to be successful. All of that sort of stuff. These, these things are play in our heart. And the part to remember is that... God not only saved us by His grace, but He enables us to change by His grace. It's the same grace that God changes you by His grace, that God enables the change that He desires to see in you and that you desire to see in yourself. Do you, are you with? Does anyone else experience that? I know where God desires me to be different, right? And, uh, and so, but then I, I, I step out and I try and do it, like, like for him. The truth is God enables you to change by his grace. The desire that he places in you to see change that he wants to enable you to do it. There's this there's this um these uh, words that just opened my eyes to it. Man, I went away on holidays, I don't know, like four weeks ago, and in the weeks running up to a guy that was just spent, I'd been sick, right? So some of that was going on, I was still tired, like just exhausted, had that post viral fatigue where like middle of the day I could like, sleep for two hours and then still sleep a whole night. Like and I just I was just out of motivation. I didn't. I wasn't even motivated to want to be motivated. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, like, like done. Like, like whatever. And you just find yourself in all sorts of escapism. I didn't turn to God. And now I turned to like, I get busy doing this. Get busy with. You know, like just. I don't know why. Um, I do know why. Sin. But again, I don't know why <laughs> sin operates, right? But uh, but um, I just, I just, yeah, find all sorts of. All sorts of ways of like escaping, just, I'll, just, I'll just watch telly. Do you know what I mean? Or I'll just go for a walk. Or I'll spend time with the family. And not necessarily bad things, you know? But pulling myself away from where the real answer is, the real thing is. And maybe for me it was because a lot of stuff I was busy with was like God's stuff because I'm, I'm a pastor, do you know what I mean? This weird dysfunction crept in where God was work. And like, I need a rest from work. So I need a rest from, from God. And that might sound crazy. maybe only because I'm a, like a pastor, but I, I would say that that could fall into, you know, when you guys think of, I'm in bits, I need to pray. Prayer feels like work. You know what I need to worship, but no, that feels like that feels like work. It's the enemy. It's the lie, right? The absolute lie. They're the things that. That actually changes but anyway went away on holidays and first morning um god by his grace was reading this this book i have new morning mercies paul trip and uh, it's just a daily devotional and these lines were in it I, just like to, I think it's the next one and uh and they just arrested me man they just um it was like water to my soul they just they just woke me up and and maybe they'll do maybe they do some of the same for you if you're in a place but just the truth that he communicated he says this he says we were recreated, you know, we're new creations, right? It's like we were recreated in Jesus Christ to be dependent on His grace. God does not hold you to a standard of independent strength. God does not expect of you what you do not have. He is never shocked or dismayed by your weakness. When you affirm your weakness, you are teaching your heart to esteem the grace that makes you strong. And the Lord just like arrested my heart and my thinking and used that as like a launch pad into the last month of, of space that I've got to spend with him each morning. Of, uh... Rob, your weakness isn't a weakness. Does that make sense? Your weakness isn't a weakness. Your weakness is where you find strength. I've spent a lot of my life thinking that God expected some standard of independent strength from me. That his expectation is, I've given you stuff to do, now go at it. You know what I mean? Like, and you just... He does expect a level of strength from you, but not, not independent strength. He expects you to draw close to him and be strengthened by Jesus. So even to the extent of Paul, you know, we know these words, man, but why, are they, why do I know these words and they're not reality in my life? Well, Paul says, where well, I'm weak, I'm strong, yeah? Because his, his strength is made perfect in weakness. And yet, right, so they're the words, I believe them, you ask me, do I believe them? Yeah, but then there's Rob over here trying to be strong. Like, not, not, not trying, not, not, not embracing that weakness. God does not expect, you, expect of you what you do not have. Guys, if you realise that you, just, you have no chance of living the righteous life that God has called you to without Jesus, without him alive in you, that's it's just so freeing. Because our job then is just to put ourselves in the way of Jesus, just to celebrate his grace, just to ask him, whatever you want to do, will you do it? I don't know what you want to do. I don't know how to want what you want to do, but will you, will you do it? It's just that... I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to be smart enough. I don't have to be strong enough. I don't have to know enough stuff. It's not about gaining more knowledge. It's not about trying harder. It's, it's about realizing and embracing my weakness. Because when I, when I embrace my weakness, I'm not talk, trying to talk us down here or anything, right? But when we embrace our weakness, that, that line there, it's teaching your heart to esteem the grace that makes you strong. When you try and embrace your own strength, you're rejecting the, the strength of Jesus. Teaching your heart to esteem. What it is that you can only receive as a as a gift? The big desire that Jesus created us to be this way. I've often um, probably felt when I when I when I think through it, man, I don't know whether I would say this, whether God would be fed up with me or something. But I probably like here's Rob again. There's that sin again. Do you know what I mean? There's that th- well, that same thing that you were doing ten years ago, Rob. Now it's back again. Like like and just like that guy would just be like a sap, like to the extent where you'd be like, you, you just distance, like he's over there and i, I feel like a fact, like, But that, that line, God doesn't expect of you what you do not have. Realising that, I, 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 if we had the power to defeat sin guys, no need for Jesus. What does he expect? He expects us to be like humbly dependent on who, on who Jesus is and just ask him to do what only he can do in our lives. It's all about God's undeserved favour that's lavished on us and you need to remember that and find new ways of practising that. And believing that as we as we as we enter into that, we're not being an annoyance to God. We're not we're not we're not, you know what I mean, like bugging him. He's not like, oh this is stuff you should be able to do it yourself. It's like, no, you were do you get what I'm saying? When you're made a new creation, we're recreated for dependence on Jesus. Like who recreated you? Jesus. For what? Dependence on him. Like that his great desire is that he w- we will be drawn into relationship with him. Like that he'd get to love us and we get to love him, that he'd get to know us. He doesn't expect us to go off and perform and then come back and give our report. He expects us to depend on him so that day after day after day we get to see him. Day after day after day we get to be loved by him. We get to be transformed in his presence, by his grace. And it can be painful to recognize that, that, that weakness because who wants to be weak? Nobody. Yeah? Where in the world are you going to find anyone saying, be weak? Like, it's, it's all about strength. Do you know what I mean? It's all about, like, working it out yourself. And this stuff can, can creep in. And I just, like, a few minutes left, just to share a couple of ways that it manifested in my life. Through, and that the ways that Jesus highlight. That's why I'm confident to assume that it might manifest in similar ways in your own lives because it reflects with the things that it says in Scripture. And I think Jesus put them in there because he's like, I know something about human nature that's... I oh, know something about the way that you're going to think. And the ways that you're going to hold one thing as true, but then go and live another way. The ways you're going to be deceived by sin, I want to give you insight into them, right? Um, so that was chapter 5. and chapter 6, right, which... He's, was it Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount, right? So he didn't write it in chapters, right? But he moves on to this next point. And uh, we see at the beginning of chapter 6, he speaks about righteousness. the next slide, Matt. Um, he says this, right? Be careful not to practice your righteousness... The by if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And this is the trap that, that we fall into. Jesus has given us some insight, right? He's calling us to need a righteousness in Him to be perfect, yeah. Knowing that He's gonna to go to the cross, knowing we'll have the full um understanding of Scripture to be based on the interpretation of that, realizing that it was by grace what He was speaking about was what He's gonna do for us, right? And now the expectation is that out of that we get to go and live righteous lives enabled by His grace, right? We get to actually live the way like, that we need to. We get to find victory over sin. We get to find like, like sense of peace in being. We get to be reconciled with God and know what it's like to not live a life that's like, distant from God or a life that's distanced from others but reconciled to others all by his grace, right? And then he, he starts to warn us. He's like, see now like, the way that I, I'm going to make you righteous. Be careful that you don't practice that righteousness to be seen, to be seen by others, Right? Because we have this tendency that we all tend to live for the approval of others rather than from the approval of God. We just, we just, we just, we just need it in us. We just need it. We need the, the approval of others. And so we can do all of the, the stuff in front of people so that we get, we get their, their recognition. So he goes on to say things like, when you give to the needy, don't let anybody know what you're doing. And when you pray, don't do it to be seen by others. Instead, go away by yourself and pray. Like, don't be like the Pharisees think they're going to be heard for their many words. Do you know what I mean? Don't be like, like those who are making loads of noises. When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, right? Like, we don't have trumpets, right? But we have Instagram accounts, right? So when you give to the needy, don't like announce it to the world, this is what I'm doing, looking for, for other people's approval. And he keeps going on, these, these kinds of things. When you fast, don't go around looking hungry so that you can kind of like humble brag when somebody is like, oh, why, why do you look so hungry? Oh, well, I'm just fasting with the Lord Lord. Do you know what I mean? It's like, for other christians like feeling like like you need them to know you know what i mean he's warning against leveraging your christianity to look good in front of the other hypocrites because that's the only people who would impress us i don't know why again i do know why it's in but uh we all we all seem to play by this game right we all know that life is broken and we all know that life is a mess and we all know that everyone else is probably pretty much like me and struggles with this stuff and yet we play the game on social media, or even just in in <coughs> small talky chit chat. How's things? Fine, great. Let me tell you the highlights of what's going on. I like almost like afraid to admit our brokenness, because if I admit, if somebody else admits their brokenness in front of me, it like highlights my own brokenness. Do you know what I mean? We like distance ourselves from it. We just we just we just play the game and do the stuff. But a life that's built on on the opinions of others is it's one that's built on sand. And Jesus, the end of the sermon, offers us to build our lives on the rock. The gracious gift of righteousness that he gives us. And the gracious gift of sanctification that he gives us. As in, he's going to do the work in making us righteous in our everyday walk. So he continues on. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, He's like, don't worry about the things you're going to wear. As in, what you're going to look like in front of people. He's like, all the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But, and here's where he comes back to righteousness. But, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, I've read that before and I thought, I've skipped to his righteousness, but seek first his kingdom. It's like, Rob, go after the things of God. Usually how do I go after the things of God? In my own strength, right? But his kingdom and whose righteousness? His righteousness. It's his righteousness given. So how do you seek his righteousness? It's like you want the righteousness that God has. The characteristics of God. Like the only way that you can have that is your... If you're giving it, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they'll be filled. It's like seek those things, be after those things rather than being after the approval of others. And you mightn't um, sin is nuanced, right? And it's 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 like uh, it's deceptive. Like, like for me personally, I don't I don't particularly think I struggle with I don't you know, I don't need you to know how much I pray, I don't need you to know how much I give into the offering, I don't need you to know to know that stuff right so on that level i'm not looking for your approval that way but if you were to come in some way and question how much i pray or question how much i give into the offering or question how 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 much i worship the lord then there would be a kind of like i would be determined to prove you wrong you know like something would something would come up like if, if you thought less of me than i thought of myself right even though like so if i know i'm doing these things in private that are good. Right, and then somehow you thought less of me than how I know myself to be or think myself to be, right? Because I selectively picked the ways that I assess myself anyway. Um, if you thought less of that, then I would that would that would get to me, right? That that would and has like caused like a twist in me. I would have to prove you wrong. I would quickly, do you know what I mean? Pull out my bank account, and show you stuff. Or quickly like, like I do know, I was praying with this person this week. Or I met that person during the week. Or here's what the Lord was saying through script. Like there's this need to, to defend. Why? Why do, I, why do I need to defend? Why, if my righteousness is a gift, would I need to defend myself? If somebody thinks less of me. Because I'm not functionally living in my righteousness being a gift. I'm functionally living in my sense of being right, being the things that I've done. Even if you don't know, it's like I have them in the back, in the back pocket here. If you want to, you want to test the credentials, I can pull them out and and explain them to you, right? And it's like, so I think I don't struggle with that self-righteousness, but if the right buttons are pushed, you realise that it's just a different side of the same coin. I absolutely do struggle with that, with that self-righteousness. It's Only when it's challenged, that it would, that it would come out. And the answer to why why I do that, I struggle why I do it. it's, It's sin. It's the power of sin. Constantly working to make us want to stand on our own two feet. It's been the sin since the beginning. To doubt God and to take things into your own hands. It's a work as old as, as humanity. Like you be like God, Eve. Eat the apple, Eve. Be like God, decide, decide, for yourself, stand on your own two feet. God is holding back from you. God didn't say that. It's it's like the age of old, same, same pattern, same hold. Still, the devil, like, 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 tempted us at that area of sin, like, onto the fleshly nature that we have, of, like, stand on your own two feet, don't need God, don't need him, you don't need him, you can do it. Those of us who've gone around the loop enough times will just know we absolutely do need him. <laughs> you see the lies in the enemy's schemes when you fall flat on your face, you fail again, fail again, and realize, man, just, I need God's grace more than I even thought I needed it. And so, his grace. And so then he moves on. last thing I'm going to share this is in a chapter seven. So there's the tendency to want to do stuff in front of other people. So the tendency to want to be seen by others to do the right thing. And that can become a source of righteousness in your own life, right? I'm righteous because I'm the leader of a church. I'm righteous because X million people said I'm a good guy. Or so many people said the sermon was good. Or people came along next week or whatever. You know what I mean? Things are right with me. I'm good enough because X, Y, and Z, right? But it's a losing battle because, like, there's a whole other side of the scale saying, "No, you're not going up for all the guys." Blah blah blah. Only this amount of people came along, or this person didn't come back, or whatever. Yeah. And so it depends on any given day. We need a source of righteousness that's constant and steady. Jesus on the cross, He it is finished. Everything that needs to be done from the first to the last. Make you right with God's sure you with heaven, to, to enable His grace to be active in your life and give you victory today. It is done. It is finished. It's available to you. You need something that's not subjective, but something that's objective and achieved. And that's that's who Jesus is, right? So that one tendency, do stuff in front of people for their approval. The second one, he says in this in verse, Matthew 7: Do not judge, and, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you see clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not judge. Do not judge. What's that got to do with righteousness? It's in the question. There's a real question in there that Jesus is asking us. Like, and if you, we tend to just jump onto the plank band, it's like funny, and you're like, whatever. But uh, it's a real question why? Why do, you, why do you feel the need to look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye? Why do we do that? Why, why do we look around us at people who are worse than us? In inverted commas, why do we, why do we feel the need to judge people that way? I'm convinced it's got to do with, with our righteousness, with our sense of how we're right. And there's a false sense, a false place that you can get your concept of being right with, right? Which is comparison with others who are worse than you. You can easily latch on to, your, to having a sense of righteousness being like, well, at least I'm not like that person. And you might attach it to someone arbitrary, I don't know, at least I'm not like Putin or something like that, right? We'll and pick an example out there, and there's always gonna be someone worse, right? Or, in my life, the way that that's, that's played out, and this is, if I hope I can explain this right, because yeah, and in my life, the way that's played out is if I was in conflict with somebody, right? For some reason, they, they've hurt me. And I've never been in massive... Stuff, stuff seems big in my head, right? And is big in my head and in my heart. But conflict where you just fall out with someone else, leadership in church, a decision that's made or something, and there's just like... You know, there's just conflict that emerges, right? And uh, guys, that robs my, like... My peace of mind and my peace of heart. Like, I, I don't know... I, I, you couldn't imagine how much time, like some simple conflict thing like that might have happened a year ago, a month ago, 10 years ago, will just like, come back to my mind and play in a loop over. You know what I mean? And of, like, you relive how you, would, how you would handle the conversation differently. You relive, I relive in my head all the reasons why I'm right and that other person is wrong. They just list them out. They don't understand that this, this, and this, or, right, so what am I doing there? I'm justifying myself based on my own actions, yeah? I'm saying I'm right because I behaved right this way. I couldn't have been expected to do anything different. I was right in this and they didn't understand it. Or, so so that's justifying based on my own actions. Or I'll justify myself based on the wrongness of their actions, right? So they did this thing wrong. They don't understand what they're doing or they, they just completely did this thing wrong, right? And it just plays in a loop sometimes um, even stuff that doesn't get resolved—I don't know—it just plays, in, it plays in, in a loop in my head, and in my heart. And the danger is that what happened for me, anyway, is that you become familiar with that stuff. Um, and you know, maybe when it just first happens, there's a the space to forgive. Maybe over the time, the Lord brings you to forgiveness. But still, the record of my own—here's how I was right. Here's how I was right, and they were wrong. You know, it only just keeps bugging you. Here's how I was right, and they were wrong. And I know, I'm not, like, so, it might be trivial things. I'm saying that it can be trivial things that go on, but it can also be serious things, right, because I don't want to underestimate the effects of other people's sin in your life. The people who genuinely have hurt you, have left you, abused you, neglected you, misrepresented you, yeah? And we relive this stuff in our heads and our hearts as to how they were wrong, right? And we judge, and, and maybe rightly they should be judged, but judgment doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God, okay? But when we take it to belong to us, what are we doing is we're reinforcing our own sense of righteousness based on the wrongness of others and it almost becomes part of your identity. I'm the one who was wronged or I'm the one who, you know, so I'm right because highlighted against this, this what's been done to me or done against me, I look, I look right. But whenever, it happens, it happens to me and has up until recently, whenever I'm looking to somebody else's, I realise what I'm doing, I'm looking to somebody else's wrongs as a source of my righteousness, my eyes are no longer on Jesus looking at someone else. If my eyes were on Jesus, I would realize the plank in my own eye. I would realize the beat for perfect as our Father is perfect. I'd realize how how far far short I fall of reaching the target. And with that in mind, it would cause me to just fall into His grace where He wants me me to be. To see the pattern. But instead of that, I look over here and I'm distracted by the wrongs and I I judge people. And I find that as part of my identity rather than finding my identity in, in Christ. And that's happened to me and it's the space that i have been in and a space that i need to find new patterns to be in because it doesn't lead to sanctification it doesn't lead to the ongoing grace of god in our lives we're so we're so jesus says we're so concerned with the speck in the eye, we don't see the planks and guys i've walked around and excused my own sin and blamed it on others blamed it on the pressures blamed it on stuff that people have done like or just ignored it based on the scope of other people's sins. Do you know what I mean? Well of course I reacted this way. Or of course I look for comfort in this place. Or of course I did because this pressure was here. That person said that, or this. And all the time there's this plank in my eye. And the only way that it's going to go is falling on my knees and saying, "Lord, I need you. I can't. You can't remove a plank from your own eye. Like you need Jesus. You need Jesus to do it. But if our focus is other people and their wrong, we don't ever look to them. We just find ourselves drifting. You find yourself drifting. You find yourself drifting, and you're far away from God. And sin takes a, sin takes a hold. It's become others-focused in the worst way. They need to change. Our prayers are like, Lord, change their hearts. You know what I mean? Bring justice. Change their, change their hearts. Change their lives. Do whatever. And very seldom do we does it turn to the work that God wants to do in your life today. The way He wants to make you more like Jesus today. Because that's an ongoing desire of the lord today he wants to make you more like a son by his grace not through your own effort but by by his grace so yeah if we became when i begin to become righteous in my own sight something weird happens in that it inevitably turns to me falling further into sin Dan. than i would have been otherwise why because i've effectively just withdrawn myself from the grace of god I've just come to ignore it sin does what sin does and it's sneaky. it's sneaky, do you know what I mean? It starts with real stuff again. I don't want to underestimate real situations such as I've been in. Do you know what I mean? Real hurts that were done. But they can't be. You don't let them be the source of, of your identity. Your identity is based on the one who loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross with. Your righteousness is the record of Jesus given to you as a gift of grace your great joy and opportunity is to fall to your knees today, tomorrow every minute of every day and humbly say I need the grace of God for everything for life, to breathe to do whatever it is So respond to it I often when I come to the end of the sentence. I'm like how do you respond You're like here's Rob now again the practices at Liberty Church, right read the Bible, be in communion do right all of those things are great, right, but there's a danger that we think all of those things are what make us righteous they absolutely are not but what they are, are the things that put you in the way of the righteous one. Like being in community, being in prayer, being in worship. What they do is they put you in the way of Jesus. And I want to I encourage you with these things. That uh, Probably the most honest prayers that I've prayed over the last while was to be able to go to God and say, Lord, I don't want to pray. I don't want to even... Uh, I don't, I don't want to want to do this stuff. Like I don't... like just Not just confessing... Uh, like sin at that level, but confessing, like, um, not just mustering up, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to read the Bible more, I'm going to whatever, but even trusting in God's grace to do that in you. You with me? Like, God's grace to, be even, like, to give you the desire to pray, to give you the desire to be in. I don't want to be in community, I don't want to talk to other people, my life is busy, I, like, I don't want to commit to others, I don't want to. But to be able to just go to the Lord and honestly say that, Lord, honestly, before you, I don't want these things but I know that you want them. And if you want to change me by your grace, change me by your grace. Like I'm not going to try and muster them up. It's just that level of dependency. Because otherwise, self-righteousness clicks in again, yeah? And you become good based on prayer. You become good based on, I I've read the Bible every day this week, you know? And like, it's like works. It's works, not grace. Maybe you find that stuff easy, and that's great. But never let the, the vehicle become the... the the, the end. Are you with me? Never let the, the, the vehicle of prayer, the vehicle of worship, the vehicle of communion become the end and take that off as well, oh, that's it, that's it, done. They're just ways to come to know the Creator and put yourself in, in His ways. So I would encourage you to be honest and come before the Lord and like, I don't want to pray, I don't want to read the Bible. Help me, enable me. I find it much easier to watch TV for four hours than I do to spend four minutes in prayer. Help me. I don't know I don't how to change that. Can you change that in me? Like, trusting in the enabling, the enabling grace of God, humbly, just laying down, I oh, don't, nothing, very little to bring, but here's my life, here's who I am, do what you, do what you only you can do. And uh, my experience, guys, has been over the past month that, as I've done that, the Lord has been changing, changing my heart. And not even in like, fireworks, incredible, incredible ways, but I struggled to pray, ask the lord will you help me and then i find myself a couple of weeks on with a desire to pray and i don't know why Well i do know why because i asked the lord to, I ask The Lord, to, like it's, it's not rocket science but it's not it's not just about doubling down your efforts yeah because if you're like me you double down on your efforts and then your righteousness found your efforts and then when your efforts fall away righteousness falls away but you have a righteous that's secure you have a righteousness that's assured for you because of what jesus has done And if we would be humble enough by his spirit and um, enabled by him to just come and just confess, oh, Lord, I'm just weak. I'm just weak. And uh, I just I just need you for everything. I need you to even to even have the desire to want you. Like I need you to do that in my life. Um I'll finish with those words by trip again, Mal. You put them up I do the third or fourth slide so some with the quote mark on it. Just to let us uh, dwell on them and I'll just pray that uh Church, we were recreated in Jesus Christ and dependent on His grace. He wants us to know that way. He doesn't hold you to the standard of independent strength. He doesn't expect of you what you do not have. He's never shocked or dismayed by your weakness. But when you affirm your weakness, you're teaching your heart to esteem His grace that makes you strong. Lord, we come to you in our weakness and ask that uh, by your grace, your undeserved favour that you love to lavish upon us. It will be your great joy, I believe in faith. It will be your great desire, Lord God, to equip us with everything we want, to even begin to pursue you, Lord. To even begin to pray, to even begin to, to want you, Lord God. That it starts with you. So I look to you as the source, Lord, and speak over your people, Lord, that, um, that they would just be so enamoured by your grace, Lord, that the penny would drop for them in ways that it's begun to drop. Lord, in my life, I thank you for that. That it would continue to drop in all of our lives to the extent that we just we just fall into Your arms, we fall into Your grace, we'd, we'd fall and stop our striving, stop our struggling, stop our feeling not good enough, um, and our attempts to fix that in our own strength, and we could just confess our just complete and utter need and dependency on Your Lord. And I know, I know that in that place, Lord, You need that with Your permission, Your strength. And your grace and above all Lord with your love and I'll release that over over each of us gathered here Lord that there would be a revelation just just how much we're loved by you and how much you want to do in us what it is that you desire to do in us even when we don't desire it that it can all come from you Lord teach us Lord to esteem your grace teach us to accept it and live in it and walk in it when we're tempted Lord to meet a standard of independent strength. Remind us, Lord, of your word. Remind us, Holy Spirit. Rest our thoughts. When we're tempted, Lord God, to compare ourselves to others or when we leave here and that same cycle goes to happen in our minds or in our hearts, those conversations on, 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 on repeat, Lord, just help us to lift the needle off them, Lord God, and establish new patterns in our minds, Lord. New patterns, Lord God, that instead turn us to you and your love and your grace and your desire to accomplish in our lives what it is that you want to accomplish. He who began to go work in your life, church so faithful to procure In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, don't give me applause or I'll find me righteousness in you. Applause. <laughs> 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 um, can make it tonight, you have know, to chris and Sheila sing. Right? They'd love to see you and it's just a chance to be with them again. Please come along. And um, there's a prayer meeting again this Wednesday. It was great to be in Nevs on Wednesday. Neville, thanks for your hospitality. Thanks for having us out. Um, we're in somebody else's house on tour this week. Noel has sent it out by text. I can't remember who it is. But send him a message or me a message if you want to come along. Something awesome about being in people's homes and praying. It's just, it's just beautiful. So um, be blessed this week, guys. Yeah?